Acts 19. We're going to start reading in verse 18. I was thinking for a while what to preach uh, on the final service uh, of the decade, or final two services of the decade, and hopefully I've got the mind of God for this one this morning. There's a man by the name of Wagner Dodge. And this man, he is a, a smoke jumper. So what this means is that what, what would happen is when there's a fire, when there's a bushfire, uh, that they couldn't be accessed through just like normal driving or whatnot. What they do, they get this guy in an airplane or, or a helicopter and he'd go over the fire and there's, if there's an area in the middle that's clear, he would jump, him and his crew would jump into that area and they'll fight the bushfire from the inside out. And uh, he did this many, many times and he was very, very good. Um, but one, at one a fire he got involved with in was in a place called Montana in America. And he got within... 30 meters of the fire, but realized that the fire was not just in front of him, but had also gone all around him, was circling him and getting closer and closer and closer. And he was ambushed by this fire. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to get out of this. He had 15 men with him. The smoke was thick. He couldn't see clearly. The heat was so hot that the sap on the trees was exploding. And this was exploding in front of him, all around him. It was very, very scary for him. And he thought, I'm out of options, and there was about 60 seconds before that fire would have come and consumed this man and his team. So in quick thinking, because he understood how fires work, there was a big patch of grass next to him that was quite high up to, over his waist. And what he did, he lit a match and started a fire in that grass. And most people think, why would you start a fire when you're trying to run away from a fire and put out the fire? So what he did, he started this fire, and if you know anything about fire, if it gets to grass, it, it burns quickly, but it doesn't burn again. It just burns once, and then that fire doesn't approach that area. And so what he did, he immediately he burnt that, uh, that piece of grass. And 20 seconds, 30 seconds later, that, that, the fire ring starts to go out. And in the middle there, there is no fire because it's already been burnt. And that, that's the safe zone. And so he jumps over the flame. He jumps in, and he's in, now he's protected. The flame is now going outward and is not coming in to him anymore. He yells out to his men. There's 15 in his crew, and he's yelling out, Come, join it, jump in, you'll be safe here. But 13 of them thought he was out of his mind. And they said, we can't do that. That's, that's not for us. And they tried to fight the fire. And only those that jumped in to the area that was already lit survived. Only him and two others survived. The 13 others didn't make it. Only the men that realized they needed to let something burn survived. Now the truth is today, if we're going to make it in 2020, there's some things you need to let it burn and not try and fight it, but burn it and destroy it. Because I don't want to go into 2020 always thinking about things from 2019, holding on to things from 2018, let it not, let, tattooing to our wrist things from 2017, remembering 2016. Some things you're just going to let it burn, like Asha said. And so tonight, this today, we need to remember some things in life, we just need to let it burn and so we can have true conversion. That's the point of today's sermon is that we can go into 2020 having true conversion, not praying a prayer, I'm, I'm solid now. No, 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 no. If you're going to be solid in Christ, there's things you need to let burn. So I'm going to preach a sermon uh, this morning. I've entitled Let It Burn um, from Acts 19. I'm going to see what these men did after they got radically saved. Verse 18, it says, And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and burnt them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. 
And so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Amen. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for these past years and all that you've done for us, Lord. God, help us to step into this new year, these new seasons, God, of life. Help us to burn everything in the past that holds us back. God, we'll get rid of attitudes, thoughts, patterns, lifestyles, God, that don't match up with you. Let us have true conversion as we step into this new phase of our life, our family, our churches, God. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. We give you all the glory for what you're going to do this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody says, amen. First, we want to look at the base for conversion. And in our text, there's all sorts of miracles happening a bit, bit earlier on. In verse 11, it says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that were put around his body, uh, uh, put from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and the evil spirits went out from them. Now, this is, this is pretty crazy. He'd, he'd pray over a handkerchief, he'd give it to someone, and once that, that person that's sick, if they touch the handkerchief, handkerchief they will be healed. And people saw that, like, man, we want this type of power. This, this seems pretty good. And they wanted that power of Je- that Jesus, only Jesus supplied. They wanted it, but they didn't want to be, to be converted, though. People were trying to use the power of Jesus without having a personal relationship with Jesus. Verse 13, it says, Some of the itinerant Jewish, Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus, uh, who, sorry, over those who had evil spirits, saying, We, we exercise, exercise you by the, by the Jesus who Paul preaches. Now, these aren't Christians. Like, but we like that power that, that, that Pastor Paul had. We like that power that that disciple has. We, we want some of that. We, we demand, in the name of Jesus, who that guy preaches. And it was no personal relationship. We, we demand in the name of the Potter's House Church that, that preached Jesus Christ. We, that's, that's us. No, no, it wasn't. There was no relationship. Listen, you can't have a relationship with Christ through somebody else. Just because your cousin's saved doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're saved. Just because your mom's saved, your auntie's saved, your grandma prayed for you when you were three. That's, that's nice. But you need a personal relationship with God. But my boys are saved. But are you saved? Can we get to that? If we just end this here making the base of salvation, because too many people, they want the power of God, but they're not willing to pay the cost of salvation. And they haven't connected Christ. They go to church. I know the pastor. I, I know these people. I know the Bible. I know my family. But there's no connection. And what we're seeing in New Zealand, let's just bring it down to New Zealand and Auckland and our suburbs, is that people aren't truly converted. They're not. They go to church. But they're not converted. They're not. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he, he predicted what was going to happen. He says, the chief danger of the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ. Now, isn't that interesting? Forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell. He was bang on. <laughs> he was bang on, man. And so when, when you're converted, conversion means there's a clear separation. And in our text, there's a clear, it's a radical change. There's a serious change. And let's look at what, what it means to be converted. Firstly, there's confession. In verse 18, it says, And many who had, come, uh, many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. They, they came to Christ saying, This is what I've done. Confession means an open and public declaration. And yes, you can get saved in your bedroom at two in the morning. Yes, you can. Absolutely. But you need to do it publicly. And many people are afraid to do it publicly. I don't want to do it in front of people. I just like the private thing. Well, that's very interesting. Because confession means something that you do openly. 
And many people could go years and never confess in front of people. Oh, I just prayed before I went to bed. I prayed, I prayed out in the park one day. But then it comes an altar call and there's, I, I don't, I don't want to do it. But Jesus died openly. Jesus was unashamed about us. And then all of a sudden, who wants to give their life to Christ? And I, I prefer to do it just afterwards, just because there's no true conversion taking place. Like I said on Christmas, people are after a savior, but not a Lord. An open confession is all through the Bible. I'll just give you a couple. John the Baptist in Matthew 3, 6. And, uh, and were baptizing, uh, baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. So as they were getting baptized, they confessed, this is what I was like. They give a testimony like we do. This is what I was like. Now I'm getting saved. James 5, 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And isn't that the reason why many people aren't healed today? It's because they're holding on to their confession. And I'm not talking confession, go to the Catholic Church and pray to some dude in, in a box somewhere. But, I mean, it's an open thing. Before. So number two, there's conversion. So confession, repentance is step one. That's good. But now there's, there's a conversion. There's a transformation that takes place. In our text, the new converts didn't just pray a prayer and then go back to the old ways. I'm, I'm a Christian now, so I, by the grace of God, I'm saved. I can just do what I want. I'm a Christian. No, there's a big change. Look at verse 19. Also... Many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burnt them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and they totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So this is their old life, right? There were many, many of them getting involved in magic and all sorts of, of, of things. And they brought all of that together, and in front of everyone, they burnt all their books. Just as a sign to say, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm over. This is not my life anymore. And they say that it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. A piece of silver is one day's wage. Just say you're on $20 an hour, that's $160 a day. 50,000 times $160 per day is an $8 million bonfire. You know, serving God's going to cost you. And many people don't want to pay the cost. I want, I want the Jesus and the blood for free, but I don't want to give up my books. I don't want to give up my old life. I don't want to give up this. I know, I know it's not right, but I just don't want to give it up. I just want... Jesus, listen, conversion to Christ includes destruction to the old life. There must include destruction. There must be something that is destroyed, something that is burned. It's not enough to live a prayer and then just go on and just, okay, I'm, I'm good, I pray to pray. No, no, there needs to be a radical change and not minor changes. I used to fornicate every month. Now I fornicate every, every bi-month now. I'm doing pretty good. I'm quite proud of myself. Yeah, yeah, I used to, you know, I used to work on K Road, you know, every weekend. But now I'm, I'm limited to just one night a week. I'm, I'm doing well, you know. I only get drunk at, at major. Si- What's all that about? This is this Christianity that's so fake and so superficial and so shallow, and, and we've missed the boat on this. Acts three nineteen. Repent therefore and be converted. Why? So that your sins can be blotted out, and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Why aren't we refreshed? Because we're not converted. It's very hard, isn't it, to live for God and live for the world? Because you don't fit in the world, and you don't fit for God. And so you're like, what do I do? I don't know what I'll do. I'll, I'll, go to, I'll fall in depression. But there's times of refreshing from conversion. This is why Christ gives it. The third thing here is separation. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. That means there's, there's a, holiness means you're separate for God's use. Separate for God's use. And when you get radically saved, or when you, no, I, should, I should stop using that word radically saved. When you get saved, actually get saved, there's a separation that takes place. That you are no longer the same and you live a completely different life. 
not with minor changes, but everything is different now. I love the, the, how much news Kanye is getting at the moment. It's awesome. Because he's speaking about, and I love his testimony. I was watching one of the things he was saying. He says, I, don't, I, don't, I can't laugh at the same jokes. I don't listen to the same music. And he, and he said, I didn't think I could rap again. Because I was going to throw my away, my, away my career because I thought the rap was devil's music. So I was never going to rap again. And he's the biggest rap artist of, of, of the world, ready to give it away. And then we can't give away our CDs. I'm a Christian, but it's hard. Pooh, it's hard. I think you need to meet Jesus. Come meet Jesus. It's not that hard. It's like saying to your wife, babe, I love you, but man, the girls, pooh. I love you, but man, I don't know if I could do it. I think you need, a, I think you need, a, you need help, and I can't help you. He says that he, he found out that he could use his music as a way to glorify God, but he was, he was prepared to let it burn. Jimmy Kimmel uh, on his show said, so you're doing gospel music now? He says, no, I'm doing gospel everything. Wouldn't that be good if our church just did gospel everything? That we weren't gospel Sunday, but we were gospel every day. That this was our life. That this is all I do now. And too many times we're trying to find the line, right? How committed do I have to be? How faithful do I have to be? Well, go, again, go tell that to your wife. Hun, how faithful do I have to be? How committed to you do I have to be? Right? It, it, no one asks that question, but then it comes to God. We're trying to find the line. How, how, how much do I need to give to God? And where, where is the line? Well, in other churches, they say you can do this. And other, well, show me in the Bible where it says anything we do that's not found in the Bible. But you're trying to find a, a, a Jesus that doesn't cost much. And here they, they, they burnt $8 million worth, but you're trying to burn your $8 and be like, sacrifice. Sacrifice. We can't even spell sacrifice. Conversion means we're separate. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. We're not like the world. And if you look like the world, there's a problem. There's an issue. Things need to change. 1 Peter 2.11 Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very soul. It says keep away because what's at stake? Your soul. So the question I have on this beautiful Sunday morning, is are you converted? Not have you prayed a prayer. That's great. Well, congratulations for praying a prayer. Well done. Have you converted? Have you burnt your old life? Not just being a bit nicer. Have you burnt your old, your old life? Destroyed. So that's the base of conversion. So let's look secondly at the battle for conversion. And unfortunately today, Christianity has become so casual that it's turned carnal. And this is the, the transformation. Pastor Prosser is one of our great pastors of our fellowship. He, he passed away a number of years ago. I was in the Darwin Church, sent out missionaries all over the world, and he's, he made that statement, Christians have become so casual that they become carnal. And carnality is simply pleasing yourself instead of God. And the plan of the devil is to make the church look like the world. That's the plan of the devil. That's why he pushes it so much. And remember, he's not convinced you want to be a Christian. That's why when you get saved, he'll offer up every pleasure that you can, you can fathom to try and make you to fold and, and say, no, no, you're, you're not really converted. You're not converted here. You know, I love witnessing and you, get, you meet all random types of people. I was talking to one guy. He's a Mormon and stuff. And, but then he said he's, non, he's a non-practicing Mormon. 
I was like, what, what, is that? what does that mean? He goes, I'm a Mormon, just not at the moment. I'm just taking like, you know, long service leave or something. He's like, I'm just drinking and stuff and swearing and all that. But I'm a Mormon, but I'm just, just, I'm like, you're not a Mormon. Yes, I am. You can't say it. I was like, oh, for crying out loud. All right. You know, he's a non-practicing. And, and, you know, unfortunately, I know a lot of Christians that are just Christians in name only. Non-practicing. Non-practicing. Matthew 3, 8. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. If you've repented, show me your fruit. Another translation says, Prove by the way that you live that you have repented from your sins and turned from God. Well, no one could judge my relationship with God. Well, the Bible says, prove it. Prove it. So what's the proof? And that proof is that you deny yourself. Matthew 16, 24, 25. This is Jesus. And Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, anyone... Anybody, everyone, anyone, if you want to serve God, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. These are deep words from Christ. This is altar call. You want to be saved? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross means die to self, and follow me. And Jesus doesn't say, just give it a go. I hate it when people, just give Jesus a try. Okay, are you sure? All right. Get married, give it a try. You know, like. Matthew 10, 38. Who does, he who does not take up his cross and follow me, not worthy. These are Jesus' words. These are deep words. In the Amplified, it says, He who does not take his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering, perhaps even dying, because of the faith in me, is not worthy of me. No one here in New Zealand is going to die for their faith. And that's probably a bad thing. Because we can live so casually. In our text, many people let it burn, but some didn't. Verse 19. Also, many of those who practiced magic and their books came and burned them in the sight of all. Many means many, but not all. Not everybody. Some held on. It's tempting, right, when you give your life to Christ to hold on to some of the things from the past. Just hold on. Just don't let go. Just hold on. Just, just hold on. Hold on to those old friends, which you know you shouldn't be hanging around. You know. And the reason you know is because you're getting more carnal every day. And, and, and you're not rubbing off on them. They're rubbing off on you. And God has told you over and 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 over again. But we're like, yeah, but you won't let those, you won't let it go. Second Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? Why are you still holding on to that relationship? For hold on to the old life. You know, keep the do rag in the cupboard. Keep the blue T-shirts there just in case. Just keep the alcohol, just, just keep it there. I might have a bad day. I'll just keep those magazines just under the bed just in case I have a bad day. I'll just keep it there. I'm just, I'll keep that music just in case, you know. I'll keep that relationship with that girl just in case, you know. I might, you know, might need her one day. I'll keep talking to that guy. And you don't let it burn. And then you say, Pastor, it's so hard. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? 
if it's not an option, it's much easier. It's much easier if it's not an option. So what are some things in your past you're holding on to? You, you shouldn't be holding on to that. What attitude are you still holding on to? We sang. Didn't we just sing? I give myself away. All my dreams, all my plans, I place them in your hands. Then we leave church because we want to go do something else. <laughs> what, what? This is my desire to honor you. And then we get a pay rise somewhere. Yo, okay, I'm out. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, then at two o'clock in the morning we get a text from that girl and we're awake, all right? Like, are, we, are, we, are you allowing me to preach this morning? Is that okay? Like, oh, so what do you need to let burn before we enter 2020? Like, you've got a couple of days. Let's just get it over and done with. There's some, the reason I'm so straight up about this because there's some serious problems that will influence our lives if we don't let things burn. Three things. Number one, you miss the plans of God. You miss out. The rich young ruler could have been one of the greatest disciples. He says, get rid of this money now and you will have treasure in heaven and follow me. He wanted him to be one of his disciples. Maybe Jesus was already organizing. So when Judas leaves, he's already got this man. He's ready to go. But he says, you can't do this. You can't be my disciple. Now tell me, what honor in life? What in life is worth living for more than being in the will of God? Give me one thing. Give me one thing. Nothing. And you can be used in powerful ways if you can deny yourself. Pick up your cross and let the old life burn. Number one, you miss out on the plans of God. Number two, you live a very hard life. Very hard life if you don't let the past burn. James 1.8, their loyalty is divided between God and, their, and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. It's a deep scripture, isn't it? Because if you don't choose your loyalty to God everything's unstable that means your mind's unstable that means your emotions are unstable that means your decisions will be unstable that means your relationships will be unstable that means your workplace will be unstable that means your finances will be unstable that means your family will be unstable but it's everything in life is going to is laying on sand and I, I, this is why I'm telling you this because I don't want you to live a whole, your whole life get to the end of your life and be like great from last week I should have listened to my mom. My mother warned me about this. The third thing, and this is the scariest thing, is that when you don't burn the old life, is that you give the devil a foothold in your life. You give him influence. Pastor Campbell once said, the carnality you spare today is what will destroy you tomorrow. The carnality that you spare today is what will destroy you today. What, what you, when we say, nah, I'm all good with this, Pastor. I'm all good. I can handle it. And what you don't destroy, it won't destroy you today, but it will tomorrow. And tomorrow, not as in literally tomorrow, but one day. But one day. Think about Saul. God told him to destroy the Amalekites. This is a, this is a deep story. Go destroy him, utterly destroy him. The Amalekites are the descendants of Esau. Esau is a man known for his own flesh, right? Appetites. He did things in the moment. He didn't let things burn. And God said, go destroy them. Completely wipe them out. Don't spare them. Let it burn. But he spared Agag the king and a few other things. Later on in life, years, years, years later, he didn't spare back, back then when he should have. This is years later. I don't know how long. 10, 20, 30, 40 years later. I don't know. 
He's at the end of his life. He's in battle. He gets wounded in battle. He's discouraged. He's weary. He's tired. And he dies in battle. And David finds out about this and he asks, how did he die? Can we get the next scripture on the screen? And he says, he asked because there was a guy there and David asked him, how did he die? And he says, what happened? He says, so I stood over him, this is Saul, and I killed him because I was sure that he will not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head. That's a, that's a deep, I could go all day on that. And the bracelet that was on his arm and I've brought him here to my Lord. In verse 13, David said to the young, so this young man killed him. David said to, him, to the young man uh, who told him, where are you from? And he answered, I'm the son of an alien and a Malachite. Saul, you should have killed the Amalekites. But in the end, the Amalekite killed Saul. Not only killed Saul, took his crown, took his anointing, took everything that God intended for him. You're telling me you can play with that sin? I'm all good, pastor. You don't kill the Amalekites, the Amalekites will kill you. We've got more on this topic here, but I think I've made my point here. Says, someone said, when you discipline yourself, no one will have to discipline you. This is good, yeah? That's nice. And another quote, the pain of discipline is less than the pain of regret. It's too hard, I can't, it's too painful. Well, I've spoken to people that live their whole life in regret, and that's much more painful than right now. So let's close with the blessing of conversion. The blessing of conversion. The base, the battle, and the blessing. So how do, we, how do we let it burn? Like, do we get all our stuff outside and, and start a bonfire? That might be a good start. I think, you know, there might be some things in your life that you just need to burn, right? You just need to get rid of those things in your life. Just, that's, that might be something. But firstly, you need to destroy it completely. Whatever's in your life, just destroy it. Don't, don't kill most of it and then just leave a little bit just in case you're having a bad day. Destroy it. Completely, that's number one. Number two, do it publicly. They burnt this in public to everyone to see. In front of everybody, you could say, yeah, I was living my life like this. No, 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 not anymore. Now I've changed. And everybody knows about it. It's not that you're hiding this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not sure. Do it publicly. Yo, this is what I was like before. This is what I'm like now. I want everybody to see, see this and I want everybody to hear about it. And because God gets glorified from it. So number one, destroy it completely. Number two, do it publicly. Number three, don't regret it. Don't be living in the old life. They're like, man, I shouldn't have burned all those books. Man, if only I kept, you know, they're out there with a fire extinguisher. No, I shouldn't have burned it. No, and they're trying to just get them back. It's like, what the heck's up with that, man? But make a decision and stick to it. Stick to it. I am serving God and that is it. Peter, he left his fish, the, the fishing uh, boats, he left, left all of that. I'm serving God from now on. Jesus, Jesus dies and he's like, oh no, he goes back to fishing. I, I thought Jesus saved you from fishing. And you're going back to fishing. But well done. You can either go find a fish or you can fish men. Well, you could sit on a boat. <laughs> what a boring life, you know. Sit on a boat in this disgusting fish your whole life. Or you can be an apostle for Jesus Christ. You make the choice. And we regret our sin. Oh, please. Please. That's like being married and regretting an old girlfriend. It's a joke, man. People who live about their, their old life. Man, I was so good. It was so good. Jack, it was good. That's why he got saved, because it was so bad. And I'm going to get fired up again. Anyway, two things. Two things that happened, the blessings. Number one, when you burn it. Number one, you enter destiny, personally. Verse 20, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. 
Word of God grows through individuals, through people, men and women entering their destiny. God's going to come to you and see whether you're willing to let it burn so He can use you. So He can use you. I give myself away so you can use me. 1 Kings 19, Elijah, he calls Elisha to be his disciple. He calls him, so this is, okay. And then look what Elisha does after the calling, 1 Kings 19, 21. So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh and using the, using the oxen's equipment. And he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. So this is what he would do for a living. He'd plow oxen. He'd, he'd be a farmer. He'd be doing this his whole life. He gets the calling of God on his life. He gets his equipment and burns it. He gets the bull, kills it, cooks some steak, give it to his family and says, I am done. I am done here. I am not going back here. I am done. I'm over this. This is a line in the sand. I am moving on to what God has for me. Like, don't you think God gets tired of fighting for our emotions? And God's like crying out. He's, he has all of heaven to give to us. And then we see some, a bit of extra money and we're like, I don't know. I don't know. What am I going to do here? Hmm. I love you, Lord, but man. God's like, seriously? Does God have to perform for us? God, what are you going to do for me? What are you gonna... He's done enough. What are we going to do for him? Why does he have to fight for our desire? Will you please love me? No, nah, God's not like that. Got hard in John 6. John 6, Matthew 6, Luke 6, Mark 6, one of the sixes. And they get hard. This is too hard. And they left. And Jesus is like, you guys want to gap it too? You guys want to go? But I love, I love what Peter says. Peter says, where can we go? You have eternal life. Where, where can we go? What are, where, what are we going to do? So firstly, if you're going to, if you, when you burn the past, you reach your destiny. Personally, Elisha becomes one of the greatest prophets in the whole Bible. But it was all down to this moment that he let his plow and everything burn. It's number one, you grow. Number two, revival breaks out. Look look at verse 28. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. It was not only a growth of people saved, but they prevailed and there was might and there was strength that came to that church. And what this church, what this world needs is not a lukewarm church. What the ch- world needs is not, is not a church that is, that is uh, not sure, a carnal church or an immature church or a Peter Pan church with one foot in the world and one foot in the church and one foot in the world and one foot in the church. What the world needs that is dying in sin, it needs a church on fire for God, not unstable on one side in and out and in and out and in, that makes a decision that I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, the cross before me, the world is behind me, not in front of me, and whatever may come, I am serving Jesus wholeheartedly and that's what this world needs in a dying and horrible and cold world if if the church doesn't have the right heart how can people be saved how how are we going to reach New Zealand heck how are we going to reach our own family if we're not saved but when we do when we're truly converted that's when revival comes Mark 4.8 talks about the seeds the, the parable of the seeds, and he says, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and it increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60 and 100. The seed is the word of God and, and the soil is our heart. And when the word of God gets into the good soil, which is our heart, that is soft and humble before the Lord, look what happens. 
it's not just it blesses you. It's 30, it's 60, 100 fold a multiplication that comes. How many here, you want to be a blessing to your family? You raise your hand and say, amen, I want to be a blessing to my family. Do you know how you do it? It's by submitting to God's will. That's how you be a blessing to the family. Because people are family over everything. But they, they're lying. Because if you love your family, you'd love God. You, you'd put God first. That's, how you, that's, how, that's all the men here. That's how you, put, you protect your family is by being a man of God. How, this is how you protect your kids and, and, and the future. You want to be a blessing to your friends, to your church, to your community, to all these other things. The way that you do it is by going wholeheartedly for God and then God can reproduce you 60, uh, 30, 60, and 100 fold. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What a promise. But it starts if, if my people... My people starts with you, starts with me. If we would humble ourselves, if we would seek God, turn from our sin, and stop saying, "Oh, it's so hard, it's so hard," but fall in love with Jesus, and burn the past, man, burn it. Stop, stop trying to relive your old life. Close with this story. There's a famous preacher by the name of C.T. Studd. You may have heard of him before. But before he got saved, he was a famous cricketer. He pray, played in the Ashes for England. He was from a very wealthy family, and he was living the dream. From a wealthy family, and he was playing cricket. That was his, that was his life desire. He was playing for England and playing in the Ashes. It was a great, massive, massive test game. Over time, his father became a Christian. His father witnessed to him. He became a Christian. But he continued focusing on his cricket career. He didn't change. Then one day, his brother, named George, his brother got sick, and, and his life changed. Look what he says. He says, What is all the fame and flattery worth when a man comes to face eternity? I know that cricket will not last, and honor will not last, and nothing in this world will last, but it was worthwhile living for the world to come. Then his conversion became evident at that crisis moment, and he started to burn the past. He quit cricket. He gave away his cricket career to become a missionary. He gave away his money, that, all the money he had in, in 1988, uh, 1888, 1883, sorry. He had $56,000, New Zealand dollars. Okay. If you translate that to what it was actually worth, what, what that would be worth today, it's just under $7 million. And all that money he gave to all different charities, the Salvation Army and all these other churches to push forward in the missionary work. He let his riches and his fame, all that, he let that burn so he could be a child of God. And his life didn't just end. He didn't just, okay, I did all that, I quit all that, and now I'm going to do nothing. No. He went to China as a missionary. He went to Africa as a missionary. And he went to India as a missionary. Now you tell me what's more important. Hitting a ball with a stick? Or seeing multitudes around the world saved? He's got two very famous quotes that you, you, I've, heard, I've used many times, but I close with these two quotes. He says, Only one life will soon be passed. 
Only what's done for Christ will last. We've got to, our, our time's short. How quick did this year go? And soon enough, all of us are going to be facing eternity. Like, man, how did all this go? How, it was so quick. It was so quick. The only thing that's going to last from our life is what we did for Christ. And then he said, I love this one. He said, some wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard from hell. What a great quote. What a great quote. And wouldn't it be good to God that every Christian will have this mindset? That we're just not trying to live perfect lives and beautiful lives and everything's perfect for us, but we'll be a rescue shop for those going to a devil's hell. The world's counting on us. The world's counting on us. The world's counting on you. I'm trying to look at all of you right now because the world is counting on you. You. This is us in this building. If we do not do what God has called us to do, it is not just our lives. It is those that won't be rescued from a devil's hell. And when we get to heaven, man, wouldn't it be great when we get to heaven and we see all the people that we influence just because we laid our lives down for Jesus? Wouldn't it be a shame? God says, you could have. You could have. But you didn't let it burn. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray.